Hi, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. I'm telling my story about Jesus and music in the 70s for me. It was no yellow brick road. In high school, you're lucky to find a footpath. They say life happens while you're making your plans. In my case, I wasn't even making plans. I had no idea what I was going to do in the future. But there was a scripture in the Bible that I remember. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. And God was directing my path and he wasn't even telling me about it. Because my dad volunteered me to lead songs at church and play bass guitar, I came to the attention of a woman who started going to our church right after her son had committed suicide. I don't even remember her name, but her son was my age, and she decided to give me his guitar. I wasn't even interested in playing guitar, but suddenly, and from out of nowhere, I had an old Fender Jazz Master that I didn't know what to do with. But at the same time, I had a lot of time that I didn't know what to do with either. But I did have access to an open auditorium. It came complete with microphones and a guitar amp. I found myself going over after school and messing with that guitar. I didn't take lessons. I don't even remember my dad showing me chords, but I learned a few from somewhere. It was a lot more complicated than playing a bass. I found myself having trouble uh, playing popular songs. I don't even remember what songs I started on. All I remember is that I started making my own stuff up. That way, it looked like I knew what I was doing. I started singing over the chords pretty quick, mostly to cover the fact that I couldn't play very well. I got the general idea about how songs were put together simply by listening to the radio. I'd written my first song, I think, when I was still 16. I couldn't tell you the melody of that song or what it was in the chord structure. I just know that it was called Sweet Peace of Mind. My dad liked it. Next thing you know, I was singing it at church. I liked playing and singing so much that I got a little guitar amp and set the whole thing up in my bedroom, and overnight it had doubled my time on the guitar. That's what I discovered, that it was a kind of therapy to work out my teenage anxieties. When I was angry, I would just scream louder, and the volume kept going up. But then I wrote a lot of depressing lament songs, usually revolved around my relationships with girls, which in high school is just a weird time of your life. I was kind of a romantic. I had a tendency to meet girls at church camp that lived in another town, so I would meet them and know them for about a week, and then write letters to them. Relationships are easier when you're about an hour and a half apart. That's how far away my first girlfriend was, she would dump me because I was just plain boring, sitting in my room, writing songs all the time. In Pentecostal church, you weren't allowed to dance unless, of course, you were in the spirit, and I wouldn't go with her to the prom. My church believed that dancing would lead to sex, but I discovered that not dancing led to rock and roll. In the summer of 1970, I spent the summer in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. My uncle had a plumbing company in Aspen, Colorado, and I spent the summer putting in cast iron bags bathtubs in condominiums for the ski resorts. Turns out that the plumbers were potheads. It was a 30-minute trip up to the ski resort. Every day I would ride in the back of a 57 Chevy station wagon, and those six guys would roll up the windows and start smoking. No, I didn't smoke marijuana. I didn't have to. By the time we got to work, I was higher than a kite. And there's your story about secondhand smoke. Seems to me those guys spent more time making pipes out of their plumbing equipment than getting anything done. And no, I didn't make a stand for Christ, but I did make a stand against potheads. I never hung out with those guys after work because I found a summer love. She never said much, just looked at me cute, and I was able to fill in all the things about her that I wanted her to be. I would take her to church with me in Grand Junction and driving there, we were listening to Bread. They were a sappy love song kind of band, and that became our song, Baby I'm a Want You. Yeah, I wrote her letters for several months after I left and went home to North Carolina, and I would talk about how we were going to put Jesus first in our relationship, and 
she would send me pictures of her sitting on the couch reading the Bible. But I would learn from my aunt, when she had stopped writing me, that she apparently went back to her old boyfriend and she was pregnant. So she didn't have a Bible in her lap all the time. It kind of messed me up for the rest of high school. But Brett had another song on that same album. I found your diary underneath a tree, David Gates sings. But when you listen to the lyrics, you realize that it's not him that she loves. And I would learn something about the depth of lyrics in songwriting, where you could say two things at once. It was kind of a spiritual disillusionment, too. Started to feel like I was living in some kind of fantasy world. In my senior year of high school, I buried myself in music and writing about how things felt. There were no more platitudes, because I realized that there were two sides to every story. So what I read in Romans, the way one translation puts it, I have a desire to do what's right, but I cannot carry it out. Romans 7.23 goes on to say, I see another law at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind, holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. But I would learn that God does not give up on you when you give up on him. I would continue singing for hours in my bedroom, and one day my dad came in and told me, when you start singing every afternoon, I've noticed that several of the neighbors come out and sit on their porch to listen to you. And right when I was not looking for an audience, God seemed to be drawing people to me. To this day, Jeremiah 29:11 continues to stand out to me. That first verse is bigger than the story it's about. It jumps out to anyone who reads it. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 57 years later, I can still feel that in my soul. And I tear up even telling this story. Because to this day, hope is still hard to find. If you're finding any hope in your story from mine, you can always support this podcast. Podcast, and please feel free to share this with anyone you think might relate.